It is my privilege to be here with you guys on this weekend to be able to speak and um, I want to give you a brief update on the past two weeks of my busy life. Um, so two, two weeks ago, I took the, the, uh, the youth group down to Kentucky to Clay, uh, not to Clay County, but um, to uh, Wheelwright, Kentucky. There were 18 of us, four adults, and then 14 youth. And we went down to serve uh, the community, one of the, one of the poorest communities in Kentucky through Big Creek Missions. And we just had a great time. We were able to do construction. I was on a construction group and we made, uh, we refabbed a deck for Miss Brenda. Miss Brenda was a, a 77 year old um, woman. She was on oxygen, um, but still, still feisty and spunky. Uh, but her deck was falling apart, and uh, we were there actually in conjunction with a couple other construction crews um, helping her deck get fixed up. Her, her deck was getting so dilapidated that at one point she came out, and, uh, and it was a, a narrow walkway right out of a slider, and then right on the other side was a carport, but there was about a, a two-and-a-half-foot deck or a two-and-a-half-foot gap in between the deck and the carport, and one morning she came out and was just enjoying the morning, she leaned on the railing, and it broke. 77 years old, falls on the carport, and does a push-up to get herself back onto the deck. So she needed it. Uh, and we were, we were able to uh, kind of splice in some new stuff and, and get her deck fixed up and uh, just met some great people. There was uh, some other people from Cincinnati, Ohio that were there with us. And then we had kids that were out in the community um, serving the community, and a few of our kids worked on putting desks together for a local school. So the school got 600 new desks, and they all had to be put together, assembled. And so um, our kids worked on that, and then there were some kids that went out into the community um, and leaders, and they helped with uh, kind of like a vacation Bible school thing, but they do a kids program all summer long uh, for the kids of the community. And um, yeah, one, one of our students I was really proud of, um, his name is Nick, and he was the only guy from our group that got assigned to uh, the kids' program. And, you know, that's, that's kind of tough for a teenager to, you know, go alone and uh, not, not have your bros there with you. But he did a great job and served well. And we all came back uh, just filled up with that, that opportunity. So that was awesome. Thank you for praying for us in that. And then I just got back yesterday from Camp Sela. So right after the mission trip, we were here for church, and then I left to go speak at a camp down in Reading, Michigan, called Camp Sela. And again, just had a phenomenal week. Preached on rest and Sabbath and uh, kind of digital detox. And I got an, a text last night from the director, and he said, hey, just wanted to pass this on. And uh, his nephew was actually there at the camp. And so um, whatever family member relayed this to Mark, the director, he said, we got home uh, from camp, and... Our son spoke for 45 minutes about everything that um, had been done at camp, and then he told us that he deleted all of his social media accounts um, in order to focus more on the Lord. And uh, I, so I just praise God for the work that was able to be done there. And um, I told the kids it was something that I was preaching to myself, and they got the opportunity to listen to me <laughs> teach myself about rest and Sabbath. So um, God is doing some awesome things, and fun to be a part of it. Uh, this morning, though, we're going we're gonna to continue with our series in Acts. And last week, Pastor Rick began kind of chapter 10 in 
this transition point in the book where the focus is now moving from Jewish people to Gentile people. And as Pastor Rick explained, that was difficult because of the traditions that the Jewish people had grown up in and parts of their law that told them not to associate with disobedient people or people who worshipped other gods, pagans or Gentiles, okay? So you had the Jewish people, sons of Abraham, uh, called by God, given the law and the prophets, and shown how to live for God. And then, of course, you have all these other people who are doing very weird things, some of them exceedingly evil, like sacrificing their children to idols. And the history of the Jews was this difficult relationship of uh, intermixing. They were to be holy, they were to be set apart, they were to be different from the world, and they would continually struggle with going and making friends with people who were doing evil things and then being sucked into their practices. And so they were taught, come out from them, don't be like the other nations, don't do what they do, because many of the things that they do I find detestable. Okay? Many of us still live by that. There's a lot going on today, right, that we would look at and we go, that's a pretty detestable thing. We advise our children that, you know, who you hang around with is very important because you will become like your friends. So pick good ones. Now, as good as that is, if you stop there, you really miss something important. And that the whole reason for being different, the whole reason for being called out is so not so that you can just separate and have an us and a them, but so that you can show other people the way to get to God. So that you can be an example of what it looks like when God gets a hold of you and cleans you up. The Jews were to be a light to the nations. They were to show other people who God was and how to work with them. And uh, again, as Rick was talking about last week, Peter is struggling because he's stuck in the first half of the come out from among them thing. He still sees pagan people as dangerous. He still sees them as people to be separate from and not associate with. And so, you know, he has this vision where God opens up uh, this, this blanket and all these unclean animals are on it and the Lord tells him in the vision, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I, no way, God. I know the rule. We're to keep ourselves clean. We're to keep ourselves separate. I would never put anything unclean in my mouth. And then three times that happens and God says, Peter, if I tell you that something is clean, it is clean. Do not call something that I have now called good, unholy, or bad. And of course, that wasn't about uh, your menu choices at a restaurant. It was about people. And just as Peter's uh, vision ends, he gets a knock on the door. And God has, has revealed himself to a man named Cornelius... A general in the what army? Roman army. Pagan. 
bad guy. And he says, go call for a man named, you know, Simon Peter. He's going to come and he's going to tell you something really important. And so God is coordinating these two sides, these two men to come together for an event that we're going to read about today. And uh, this is one of those scriptures where I, Doug told me I was preaching on it. And so, you know, I went there and I kind of, you know, freshened myself up on the story and I'm, I'm beginning my prep. And uh, admittedly, I came to it like, oh, I know what this is about. This is about God finally opening the door up to the Gentiles to be saved. But I think it's actually about something more than that and something quite different than that. And so I hope today that as we read this, um, we might discover together what God is really doing because I think it impacts all of us, okay? So uh, this is a longer section because we're actually going to get into the first part of 11. Um, so we're going to begin reading it, and then I'm going to talk about the sections as we go, all right? So if you have your Bible and wouldn't mind opening to chapter 10, uh, we are going to start at uh, verse 27, which is right when Peter is at Cornelius's house, and they're about to go inside. So this is Acts chapter 10, verse 27. Um, by the way, I, there's no slides, so if you're wondering, like, why there isn't there anything on the screen... Um, Sometimes I just like talking, uh, and you don't have to read and listen at the same time. All right, so, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, just feel free to, to listen here, all right? Acts chapter 10, verse 27. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. And suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Now, that doesn't sound very pagan of Cornelius, does it? Here is a God-fearing man who uh, was a great help to the Jews in his area, even though he was um, responsible for the, uh, you know, serving the occupying force in their land, and yet he was showing kindness to them, he was caring for them, he was an advocate for the Jews, and he was a man of prayer. And he prayed regularly, and it was at one of those times that, that God speaks to him and gives him a vision about something that he needs he and his family needs desperately to hear. Now, what I love about this, and I have seen this in my experiences in the missions that I've done, and uh, uh, I, I was the director of an of a organization called Orphan Justice Mission for a time, and we were working in Uganda. And one of the things I, I quickly saw was that even though I thought I was there to bring something to the Ugandans, God was already at work there. He was already at work. I wasn't really bringing anything. 
I was simply stepping into the work that God already had active and going in the places that I visited. Now, were there, was there some benefit to me being there? I hope so. But, you know, sometimes we think that we're the center of God's universe. And we aren't. He's already doing something. He's already working in other people's lives. And part of our responsibility as believers is simply to just wake up and get with the program. And I love that Peter is humble enough to listen to what the Lord is leading him to do so that he goes to that place to participate in what God is already preparing. There were lots of reasons for him to avoid it. And God had to do you know, the work in him, just like we talked about last week. But he, he shows up. He goes. So then Peter understands what he is there for. And as an apostle, Peter has been called to bear witness to what he saw of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection, and, and share the gospel with those who need to hear it. And so at that moment, here, here Cornelius has, has assembled all of his friends and family, people of import, and they're all ready and they say, speak to us. Whatever it is, we know that God has something for us. What is so important that we would need to hear this thing? And then Peter shares the gospel. And this is what he says, verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country, of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and cursed him and caused him to be seen. Excuse me. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Amen. That is the gospel. That is the story that changes the world. That is what all of history has been moving towards. And Peter bears witness to it. Peter knows it, he's able to share it, and he sets it right before these Gentile believers. Those who apparently were not to receive the good things of God. Those had, who had not been chosen, those who were under judgment. But look back at 34. And this is where it started to turn in my mind as I began to study this. What does Peter say? I now realize. I now realize. Not, oh, God is doing something new. Oh, the program is different. No. I now realize 
His mind has been opened. He has gone back through his Jewish Bible stories. And now, many things that he's learned as a boy have come back to him. And God is proving through personal experience that he's always been about saving the world. That he has always loved all people from all nations. Yes, the Jews had a special purpose. And he used them in a unique way. But it was always because he loved the whole world. Rick shared John 3.16, For God loved the world, so loved the world. Everybody. This is nothing new. Peter's just remembering. For those of you who have grown up in the church and and you know your Bible stories, just think with me uh, through some of these. Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham is called, what is, what is the, the calling and the promise given to Abraham? Through you, all nations will be blessed. All nations, right away. The calling of Abraham. The plan was to benefit everybody. Do you know if you go back through the Levitical law, which very few of us do, there's actually a lot in there about how to treat foreigners among you. They may not be ethnic Jews, and so they may be um, slightly apart from from the promise that's coming through the the genetic line of Abraham, and yet they were to treat them well. They were to include them in their worship. There were some parameters, but it was, you were always to treat the orphan, the widow, and the alien among you with love and respect. By aliens, I don't mean the green people with really big eyes, right? foreigners foreigners what about Rahab the prostitute did she have faith yeah she did she helped the spies who came to Jericho what about uh, the one of the great great grandmothers of Jesus Ruth who is a Moabitess not a part of Israel but a woman of faith Here's one that uh, doesn't come up very often. The the, um, Shunammite woman, who was a unique friend to Elisha. She was a God-fearing woman, and and she showed hospitality to Elisha, who was a prophet. She told her husband, there's a man of God around here, and he, he comes and goes, and we see him traveling. Why don't we make a special room for him in our home so that when he is traveling through, he can be refreshed in our home? And, and he, they formed this great relationship to the point where um, she was a widow, didn't have children. Elisha prayed that she would have a child. She said, don't, please, no. Don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up. And he's like, don't worry, God, God's going to give you a son. And she has a son. And then he gets sick later. And she, she comes to Elisha and finds him. And she's like, I told you, don't get my hopes up. My, the boy that I received is a... The joy of my life is now dead. And he goes and raises her up, which is really, if, if you know how Peter and Jesus raised up people, it's kind of a throwback to what Elisha did for this Shunammite uh, son. But she was not a member of Israel. But she had faith, and she loved the prophet, and now is an important part of, of our history. Naaman, the commander of the army of King of Aram, who had leprosy and called for the prophet and is cleaned. What about Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon? 
You want to talk about a pagan of pagans? He was terrible. Terrible. I actually want to read you what happens to Nebuchadnezzar from Daniel 4. Because uh, this guy, this guy gets so bad that he goes insane. The Lord actually takes his sanity from him. This is Daniel chapter 4. Uh, starting at verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored in my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Wow! Pagan king glorifying the King of heaven, surrendering all of earth to him. And it says that his kingdom was restored to him. God didn't erase Babylon at that point. In fact, he was glad that now a king had a heart full of love for the one and true and living God. He didn't, they didn't have to become Israel. They, they had to become children of God. There's more. Uh, the people of Nineveh. Then we get to Jesus, the Samaritan woman. And what about the great commandment? Go into all nations, all the world. So admittedly, sometimes when we, when we get a little bit lazy with our theology and we flatten the story enough, we, we kind of, we get these patterns you know, the Old Testament was about the Jews, and the New Testament was about the Gentiles. The Gentiles couldn't know God before, but then Jesus came and opened it up to everyone. Or, you know, finally the Holy Spirit gave the opportunity for the pagans to, to be saved. And I don't think that's what we're seeing. I don't think that's what we're seeing. It was not that God was now opening up salvation to the Gentiles. He was opening up the Jews to the Gentiles. The gospel is preached and it says, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. It is amazing that the Holy Spirit can come on us. And that's something that we don't want to miss. That whether we are Jewish or not, 
God loves us, and if we respond in faith to the gospel, then his Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we become a child of God, and we are given the promises of salvation. That is for every person everywhere. You and me, right here. And I just want to stop and pause for just a second and just say, if any of you have not done that yet, today's the day. Today is the day. You are a sinner, made in the image of God, but broken by sin. And God loves you and has done everything possible to restore you to a relationship with himself. He has offered you forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is humble yourself and receive it. Just believe that. And God will give you life. So do not miss that part of the story. That the gospel is for your salvation. That Jesus died for you. And he rose again from the dead. But for those of us who have been in the faith for a while, let's not miss what was happening with the religious people who saw this. Who were astonished that the Holy Spirit was even poured out on the Gentiles. Uh, there was a kid that I grew up with. Um, his name was Luke, and I will not share the rest of his name to protect the innocent. Uh, I did not like Luke. Luke was a tall, uh, kind of slender, blonde kid, much like myself. Fairly athletic, like myself. Pretty smart, like myself. And he annoyed the daylights out of me. There's only been one kid that I have had my fist clenched and, you know, thinking, I'm going to clock this dude, okay? It was pregame before a football game and we're, we're in the locker room and man, I just wanted to haul off and deck Luke. And you know why I really didn't like Luke? Because he was so much like me. He was competition. I was prideful, I was arrogant. I'd get mad in class when he would do something really smart and you know, I was like, I knew that too, you know. I didn't like Luke because he was like me. And I think something that is happening here with the circumcision is that they are realizing that they are not that special and that the Gentiles are just as important as they are, that they're in the same boat as the Gentiles, that they are made in the image of God, broken by sin and in need of a Savior, and God is indiscriminate in who he shows his love to. And it was a struggle for Jews, rather than be happy for those who needed salvation, they felt jealousy. And I think that part of what is happening in the story is that God is changing that attitude in their heart. And they're realizing that the gospel is a tool that works for everybody. Regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you're doing, the gospel works because we are all people. Um, have you ever had something like a tool that uh, you've been using for a long time and then all of a sudden you find an, an additional feature and you didn't know it was there? And you're like, oh, I didn't know it did that. Uh, how many of you have iPhones? Okay. Pull out your phone. Sorry, Android users. You're going to be bored for a second. Okay. 
because this is easier. Pull out your iPhone. Go ahead. How many of you know about the back tap feature? One of the things that annoys me about being on uh, Apple again is that it's hard to take a screenshot, it seems like for me. But if you go to settings and you go to accessibility, settings, accessibility, and then you scroll down to touch, still with me? Scroll down to touch, and then go all the way to the bottom, and you'll see one called back tap. Turn it on. Some of you are getting texts. I'm sorry. Now, when you turn it on, you have double shot or double tap or triple tap. I did double tap. When you click on double tap, you can make a double tap on the back of your phone, do all kinds of things. It can turn on your flashlight, it can take a screenshot, it can go to the notification center, center, all those things. I did mine for a screenshot. Now watch this, okay? There I am in settings, double tap. See, it just took a screenshot, put it down the corner. Is that not handy? That is super handy. And I did not know that it did that. I had the power the whole time, but I wasn't using it because I didn't know it did that. For the Jews, they had the gospel. And they did not know that it could save Gentiles too. The gospel did not change. God's plan did not change. They changed. They were woken up to the possibility that God would be desirous to have a relationship with the Gentiles as well. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. They are saved. They get baptized. And then Peter has to go back in, in uh, chapter 11, and he has to explain himself because some of the, the Jews had heard, wait, you guys are, are preaching to the, the Gentiles? You're not supposed to associate with them. And for the third time, Peter explains the vision that he had. And then he, he gives testimony to what God did in the, in the presence of the Gentiles. And this is how this section of Scripture concludes. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praise God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Yeah, the Gentiles got saved, but so did the circumcision party. They now realized more of God's program. And thankfully, they surrendered themselves to it. Now here's, here's the application, I think, for us. I believe that God has someone or some ones in your life that he is calling you to share the gospel with. Very simple. There are those around you who need to hear the message of Jesus so that they can be granted repentance unto life. And for whatever reason, you are stuck and you can't share that word with them. Maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's competition, maybe, maybe you just don't care enough. And I, I am convicted, and I'm asking you to join me, that we get with the program. 
that we recognize that God is doing things everywhere and he's calling all men to himself. And he is asking us to go and share that good news with people. And maybe we don't think they can change. Maybe, maybe we think it's impossible. Maybe we really don't like them. Maybe we don't want them coming to our church. Kind of like Jonah, you know. I know you'll save them, God, and then I'm going to have to sit by him every Sunday. But how amazing to see God work in someone else's life. How amazing to, be, to have a front row ticket to the Holy Spirit changing someone else and bringing them to an acknowledgement of Jesus as Savior. That's worth it. That is worth it. And so we are called, one, to acknowledge the, the power and the awesomeness of the Holy Spirit and what he can do. And we are called to share the story with those around us. Indiscriminately. It's for everybody. Who's that person in your life? And will you pray for them right now? And will you ask God to help you bring that message to them? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for opening my eyes up uh, to this scripture. To remember that you have always loved all people. That you have always been calling everyone to yourself. Forgive us for ever withholding your goodness or the gospel because of our silly junk. But I pray that you would expand our hearts, that you'd open our eyes to those people around us, and that you would, you would change us as we offer the life-changing word to others. And God, we admit that um, we're probably scared about this and nervous, and you know, this is... we. We hear this all the time. We say it a lot, but not many of us are doing it. Would you, by your spirit, help us to actually do this? To be someone like Peter, who's willing to walk into a difficult situation, uncomfortable, unknown, and simply bear witness to the resurrection power of Jesus. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.